Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. Greetings, good afternoon, good evening whenever you're watching or listening. Welcome to Life's Important Questions with a very special guest today. Welcome, Mr Nick James. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. How are we all doing? Great to have you here. Listen, if you're watching live uh, and you've got a question you want to ask Nick today, be sure to post it in the comments. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, we listen on podcast on the replay. Do that still as well, because I'll be able to pick those up and forward those on. So today we're talking about how to build your expert empire. And I've got a list of questions for those of you that are watching live and secretly most of these are not going to lie really just for my selfish benefit um i want to get these questions answered and i feel they'll really benefit you in terms of those of you that want to build a expert empire so i guess the first place i want to start is um nick what is an expert empire to you and and why in today's day and age especially is it important to build one do you think yeah, good question. I, th- I think, um, well, let's break down expert empire. I mean, mm. what, what the word expert means to me first is anyone who has life experience or has been educated, trained, so that they have a certain degree of knowledge, understanding in a certain area. That to me makes you an expert. I don't think you need to have a certificate to make you an expert. I think what I always say is that if you're a few chapters further forward in the book than somebody else, then you're in a position where you can offer insight, offer what you might call expertise. So for me, an expert is anyone that's got insight, education, knowledge, experience, in some way, shape, or form, in some area that can be beneficial to other people. So an expert empire, I suppose, would be a business that's based upon that expertise. Um, And I suppose that the word empire in itself can have a number of different definitions. And and for me, it's whatever it means to you, really. So, um, you know, an empire might be or might be measured by the amount of people that you're impacted. That might be the number of clients you're serving. It might be the number of people that your podcast or your videos are reaching. It could be measured in terms of financial result that you're generating in your business. It could be based upon number of people that you build in your team, in your network. There's loads of different ways to define empire. It could be anything. Um, for me personally, my expert empire, if you want to call it that, and of course our, our company, our brand is called Expert Empires. It exists to help people that are just defined for you, experts to build their empires, build their businesses. And that's really what I've been doing for the last 12, 13 years in, in various different businesses of my own. Amazing. Love that. Love that. Um, one of the things I want to talk to you about is masterminds. Obviously, you and I know what, in effect, what mastermind means, and we can go back as far as kind of think and grow rich terminology, all that stuff. In terms of growing and building an an expert business, what what emphasis would you put on 
being part of a mastermind and really getting in and around people that are like-minded or that are maybe, like you said, one or two steps ahead of you? Yeah, I think um, when I look back throughout my career, I think my biggest advantage at the start was that I already had built a network, a mastermind, if you want to call it that, of people who were already succeeding in this industry. And so, you know, I didn't need to come up with, you know, some unbelievable marketing plan or I didn't need to spend a load of money on ads or I didn't need to do anything too fancy or advanced. Really, it was a case of, right, I come up with a product or service that I think can benefit people that I feel that I can provide value to them through. Um, And I pick up the phone and I set meetings and I have a chat with and I connect with people who are already in my world. Um, And you know what? Like to this day, I'm still doing that. Like that has not changed in 12, 13 years. To this day, most of, um, I literally just this morning um, pinged an email to a lady that spoke at one of our events a couple of years ago. I probably haven't spoken with her or connected with her for almost a year now. I just pinged off an email saying, hey, we've got this event coming up. I'd love to have you speak. She literally responded immediately going, oh my God, that'd be amazing. Let's chat. So like that network, that community that, that I've built over years it really is my most valuable asset. And, and of course, you know, I could talk about my team. Um, we've got 21 full-time employees now in our companies. I could talk about our team being the most valuable asset. Of course, I could talk about our clients being immensely valuable asset. And I really believe that that, that network, those contacts I've built over the years have been so, so valuable. And, and those have been created through, in some cases, formal masterminds where I've paid to be a member of a program or or a group there's been informal masterminds where i've just built connections and and networked over the years that's also another way of looking at it i think it's it's widely talked about of course in our industry miles that you know it's really important to be around people that are playing a bigger game and that you know um if you're the smartest person in the wrong room uh, you let me say it again let me say it correctly if you're the smartest person in the room, it's time to find another room. You're in the wrong room, that kind of thing, which I do agree with to a point. I really do. But I also think that actually it's healthy to build a network, a community of people around you that are all different, that are quite diverse and different. And and some that are, um, so like I know when, you know, when I first started out, I was very fortunate that I had people I could turn to and connect with who were already running successful businesses and I was starting from scratch but I also had people around me who were at the same stage as me they were right at the start and so we kind of supported one another and partnered on various different projects that was immensely valuable you know I think now when I look forward you know 12 13 years later um I I always look at this the principle of mastermind or creating connections in in three ways really that I think it's it's healthy and helpful for you to, yes, have um, people around you that are playing a bigger game. And and I tend to call these mentors. And that could be a formal mentor that you, you know, invest with. And I, I have a number of different mentors that I invest with and, and pay for advice. I also think, though, it's quite valuable to surround yourself with people who you can 
impart knowledge, wisdom, expertise on or share with them because that's actually um, how the world works. Like if it was only one direction, then the the economy, the world wouldn't really work. So I actually think that you um, being around people that can mentor you, yes, but also being around people that you can mentor. And you might go, well, I'm just starting out, Nick. I'm just starting in business. So who could I possibly mentor? Which would be a great question because the answer is it might not be somebody in business. It might be that you've excelled in health or fitness or relationships or in other areas. And and you can, I think what I'm saying is that, Yes, you. Uh, for me, the definition of a, a, a well-rounded, well-formed mastermind is somewhere that you can learn from uh, and be mentored by others, but also you can bring value and you can offer mentoring advice as well. So for, for me, it's about three things. It's about having mentors. It's about having mentees almost. And then what I call in the middle is, I call it mastermind. It really is um, having a peer group of people who you can partner, collaborate support they can support you for me that's the definition of a mastermind is to have all of those not just one i think a lot of times i hear people say you know that they're um that they've been part of various mastermind programs and felt like they were giving more than they were getting from those programs on the flip side i think it's actually not very healthy if you're on the other end of it where you're getting lots but not giving it's kind of like you're you then might feel a little bit awkward or uneasy about the 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 value exchange so i think it's important to to find a balanced peer group to surround yourself with and to support you and you can support love that love that one of the key words that i saw that came up a few times is collaboration yeah, one of the one of the things that I think you're an absolute master of is is collaborative partners. Some of the people that you've had speak at the events over the years, the Grant Cardones, the Gary Vaynerchuk's, Marie Forleo coming up. What advice would you have to someone who's maybe early on in their journey that wants to collaborate, but maybe you know? And, and I know I've been guilty of this, where I've looked at collaboration, but know in my heart that this is something where I'm thinking, do you know what? I know what I'm going to gain out of this, but I don't know maybe what I'm going to give them. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. you're amazing at that. So, what what advice can you give people about collaborating in a way that's is a win-win and is aligned with their values and doesn't feel like a like a take? Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, you know, it's very nice of you to say that that's something you you think I do very well. And of course, you know, I have collaborated with amazing people, and you, you mentioned we've had amazing speakers at our events. I think the point, Miles, is that. That's not something I just started doing when I reached a certain point or stage in my career. Yeah. I did it from the start. So yeah. it's not it's not something that you go, oh, when I get here, then I can do that. Yeah. I did it from the start, literally from day one. My first the, the first conversation I think I ever had when I started my business was a collaboration. So, um, but I think your point is really good, which is you don't ever want to, I mean, no one wants to be in a position where you feel like you're taking, really. You want to feel like it's a fair exchange. So um, I've never gone into a conversation regarding a partnership or a collaboration where I wasn't clear about the value that I was bringing to the table. If ever there's been that, I've always, I've not even... I've stayed away. I haven't even made the made the approach or, or, or had the initial conversation. Um, 
And in some cases, when I've had the conversation and it's become clear to me, actually, this is probably a better deal for me than it is for them, I just ask, what would we need to do here to make this an unbelievable deal for you? What would I need to do? To, and sometimes, by the way, it's just about being, I suppose, being open and real um, and saying, hey, you know what? I'm getting the feeling that this might be a better deal for me than it is for you. So tell me, what would what would I need to do or what would what would make it an amazing deal? I've had this conversation with a lot of speakers who are flying over from the States to speak at our events, you know, and we get to, by the way, you know, we get to talk money, we get to talk fees, and I've got a, a certain amount I'm willing to pay and they've got their, their, their fee as well. And I always want to be respectful of that. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, good. I don't even bother, you know, negotiating because I'm happy with it. Other times I'm like, yeah, that's just a bit out of my budget. It just feels a little bit over the top for me. So I'll I'll go back and I'll say, look, you know, I'm, I, I can't do that. It doesn't work for me financially to pay you that fee. So here's what I am prepared to do. So tell me what else could I possibly do? Other than money, what else could I possibly do to make this a great deal for you? And sometimes we've found, and not always, sometimes we haven't found a way and it's just a no deal. Um, but sometimes we've found a way um, whereby, you know, them coming to the UK to speak at my event and getting paid a fee. There's been other things I can do around it that have made it well worthwhile for them. So I think it's it's being skilled at asking questions and, and also having that mindset, which you've already got. I mean, the fact that you even asked the question tells me you've got it. You don't ever want to be in a position where you're a bit takey, a bit you're getting more than you're giving. Yeah. So I've always gone in, like I said, it's most cases actually – um, most of the big speakers that, you know, some of which you mentioned, Miles, um, I haven't negotiated on fee at all, which might sound surprising because I think, you know, good business practice is always trying to negotiate a good deal, but, but only if it still represents a good deal for both people. So actually in a lot of cases, you know, they've quoted me a fee and I've just, I've just gone, yeah, because it's not worth it. It's not worth it really for me to negotiate for the sake of, you know, a few grand here and there. Um, I'd rather the speaker feel valued and that they're getting, you know, they're getting well rewarded. Good relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by the way, that, that attitude has served me so well. And again, sometimes, um, you know, you mentioned Grant Cardone, like, you know, I've had him speak twice at my events now and, and invested. I won't, it's not appropriate for me to share, but let's say it's a small fortune in him <laughs> speaking on those two events, like eye watering sums. Um, yeah. And, and at the time, I was like, man, this is big. Um, this is a lot of money. And and uh, and there was a temptation definitely to kind of negotiate. And, and I just went, you know what? I want him to do this. And I want him to feel that I've got an utmost respect and value is his time and his expertise. And I fast forward now. So the first time Grant spoke at our event was 2018, May 2018. It was the first time we'd ever spoken at an event in the UK. Um, and we're now what, like nearly three years later and regularly now, um, you know, I'm on clubhouse and he'll bring me up on stage at his, you know, in his room and he'll say lovely things and all that, which, you know, that wasn't why I paid him the fee, but it's been a real, but, but money can't buy now that relationship and that respect. So, you know, sometimes you can't really quantify the value in a deal there and then. Yeah. 
Mm. Oftentimes, the value is realised in the quality of relationship later down the line. Mm. It's funny that you said that because I heard Gary Vaynerchuk once say, "Working out the ROI on social media is like trying to work out the ROI on your mother." Yeah, yeah. It's it's like there's certain things. And by the way, I think it's always smart. It makes smart business sense to look at the return on investment. If you're going to invest money in something, whether it's in ads or whether it's in a partnership or whatever, you've got to, you've got to weigh it up and it's got to make sense. Mm. And sometimes, I know I've been guilty of this for sure, I think sometimes we are quite short-sighted in our, um, in our view and often you know, a longer-term view. It was certainly one of my biggest mistakes early in my career is I was really short-sighted, probably because, like, full disclosure, because... I needed to turn a profit. I needed to get, if I was going to invest time or money in anything, I needed to get a return quickly. And I think the, you know, the, the longer, I hear this a lot from people, the, the, I suppose the longer you've been uh, in the game, as it were, the, the, you know, the longer career you've had, the more you start to realize and appreciate the value long-term of those relationships and the value long-term of, of those, uh, those partnerships and those deals. Love that. Brilliant. Um, you talked about mistakes early on in your career. Um, who has been a great, um, no, what's what's maybe been some great advice that you've been given by a mentor, like in the past or maybe early on in your career, some advice that still stays with you like now? Yeah, yeah, great question. And, and funnily enough, I was, um, I was talking with a very good friend of ours, Mr. Elwell, um, just over the weekend. And, and this conversation actually came up, fully enough. Um, I think one of the – it com combines the mistakes that I made and the best advice I was given. Um, so, again, early in my career, I was um, you know, growing the business relatively quickly, I suppose, and um, my strength strengths – have always been sales and marketing, and that's always been something that I've I've kind of naturally got a, um, I suppose, got a talent for. Um, but when it came to me organizing, structuring, putting processes and systems in place in my business, that certainly wasn't my expertise. That certainly wasn't my strength. And so um, let's just say that early on, I did quite a good job of marketing and selling. Um, and at times not as good a job as I should have when it came to the customer experience and the, the delivery. And so I had some, um, you know, certainly like most businesses, I suppose, had some bumps in the road and some dissatisfied customers at one point. And, and actually it reached ahead um, probably around 2011, 2012, where I had like quite a big customer service issue and it, it turned, it got into a legal kind of battle and conversations, um, which I'd never experienced before. So like it was, I was so green and so raw in this area. I hadn't got any reference or any experience. I ended up speaking to a friend of mine and they, they were like, they just gave me some really sound advice. The, the first thing was, it was like, look, um, at the end of the day, like, you've made a mistake, hold your hands up and admit you've made the mistake, but also know that it's not the end of the world and they can't hang you for it. It's like, I remember like the first time I got any kind of legal thing come up in my business, um, and I can see we've got Donna McGrath watching live, who of course is a friend of both of ours, who knows more about this stuff than me. Um, but when it comes to the legal side, like, I, I was so, I remember I was, I was scared, man. I was so fearful because it was unknown. It wasn't my area of expertise. 
Mm. And actually, the, the sooner I realise that there's nothing to be afraid of and that, you know, just having conversations with people about yeah. how can we work this out, what's fair. Um, and as soon as that, like, the first time that had happened, I was in massive fear. And like I said, this friend of mine, he was just very, you know, very much like, look, I know this is uncertain and scary and um, you haven't dealt with this before, but like, honestly, you know, in, in future, um, you'll look back on this and, and laugh about it. And I, and certainly that's been the case. And by the way, I've had much bigger, much uglier problems throughout my career. Um, you know, not, not relevant to, to customer experience, thankfully, but lots of much bigger, regular problems, uh, uh, you know, in other areas of business, which, you know, it doesn't always work out perfectly every time. But I think that, that being able to hold your hands when you made a mistake, and I've made loads, um, I think that's really important. I think you, you, actually when you try and undo a mistake by making another mistake, <laughs> oftentimes by trying to trying to back up, you know, trying to defend yourself and back up what you've done wrong, yeah. um, it, it ends up just digging a deeper hole. And and the smartest thing you can do, we, we had it last year, start of COVID, start of the pandemic. You know, I had a, a big event. Uh, you'll remember this, Mars. I had a big yeah. event scheduled and planned. Um, yeah. And it was right at the start of the pandemic where legally we were able to run the event, but there was serious questions raised about morally whether it was the right thing to do. Mm. And and I felt, rightly or wrongly, that it was cool to run the event. So I came out and said, we're running the event. I hadn't, I, I definitely misjudged the feeling, um, mm. not just in society as a whole, but, you know, within our client base in particular. And like, let's just say the response was not good. Um, yes. And I was getting hammered left, right and centre from people saying that it was, you know, like ethically, morally um, unacceptable for me to run the event. I was putting people's health in danger. And I'm like, look, I, I was only doing what I felt was right. Yes. Um, but then once that had happened, I was, dare I say, humble enough to hold my hands up and say, Hey, you know what? Like yesterday I said this and here's the feedback I've received today. I'm saying this, I'm changing my mind. I'm changing yeah. my tap. I'm changing my approach because look, I got it wrong. And there's something really powerful. I think in saying those words, I got it wrong and not enough people say it. Um, the, ego look, doesn't like, the ego doesn't like that. Does it? Well, well, Let's let's just get this out of the way. I don't like being wrong. Do, do you like being wrong? Does anyone like being wrong? Of course you don't like being wrong. But sometimes we have to be grown up enough to hold our hands up and accept we got it wrong. Um, and and sure, for sure, last year, holding my hands up, saying I got it wrong, and then deciding what to do instead, um, it was actually one of the best moves I ever made because um, actually – the the feedback and the um i actually think that there was the people that were most against the approach i took originally became bigger fans than they would have been if i'd have done it the way they wanted me to in the first place so it, and, and this is why you know it's easy to say now of course when everything works out great but i genuinely believe that it, it was all perfect i learned so much about myself and about people um and uh, I think, you know, it certainly, there was a lot of people that 
really resonated, connected with me in a way that they wouldn't have otherwise because, you know, I was willing to hold my hands up and say I was wrong. So I think, um, yeah, I, I just think that's, for me, that's that's always been, I've had a number of, ex, number of experiences like that throughout my career and it's, and it's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always interesting. Um, to reflect on your own patterns of behavior, but it was, it was, it was a great experience all in all at the time it felt horrific, yeah. but in the end it was a great experience. Amazing. Love that. Great friend of mine once said vulnerability is our greatest asset. And uh, yes. that's my mind because of what you said. Um, th there was a question on the chat that I posted yesterday. Um, someone asked about self doubt. How do you, whenever it comes in, um, how do you deal with self-doubt? Yeah, good question. Um, first of all, um, I'm only ever going to give you my own opinion, right? That's all I can do. First of all, know that everyone experiences it and that will, first of all, make you feel a lot better because I think a lot of times we've got this illusion that, like, you know, you, you'll look at people, whoever it is that you you admire, you respect, you look up to, and you go, like, oh, you know, this – they never deal. They wouldn't understand because they never have to deal with self-doubt. They're so self-assured. They're so confident. They're so certain. And I just believe, and my experience has been that everyone deals with it. Um, funnily enough, at the moment, we've mentioned him a couple of times already here, Mr. Cardone. Um, I'm watching Undercover Billionaire at the moment. Me and Nat are watching it every week on uh, Discovery Channel here in the UK. And um, like, now, if ever there was somebody in our industry you thought was just like pure like unadulterated certainty, confidence, self-belief, it would be Cardone. Or you might say Tony Robbins or, you know, I'm sure there's you know, a lot of speakers. We've had David Goggins. We've had, you know, amazing. Um, uh, we've got Lisa Nichols coming up, Marie Forleo at our upcoming event. Like these are all people you go, surely they don't deal with, like they don't have to deal with self-doubt or, or, or you know, struggle with, with belief or confidence. Um, and what I'll tell you from having been fortunate to be enough, uh, fortunate enough to be around a lot of these people and also just from my own personal experience is that I think everybody has those moments of self-doubt and, and, and struggling for self-belief. So I think there's part one answer to your question, Miles, is acknowledging that it's normal and not making yourself wrong or for, for experience it. In fact, just accept that it's normal. And I actually believe I'm going to flip it on its head and say it's a good thing. Yes. For the reason that you mentioned a minute ago, because it keeps you humble. And let's face it, I, th I think humility is probably one of the most endearing, attractive attributes. Like, don't get me wrong, in our industry, you see people that are successful, highly successful. And of course, you know, in, in various different areas, it might be financial success, business success. It might be in relationships. You and I have talked a lot about that, of course. You know, family um, might be health and uh, fitness. And you, you look at somebody and go like, you admire that and you, you strive to achieve that in your own life in some way, shape or form. But I think actually the people that you relate best to and have most respect for is the ones who do truly demonstrate a degree of humility as well. And so I, I think actually acknowledging and appreciating and accepting that having the occasional self-doubt is normal and everybody has it is really important. And then once you've accepted it and normalized it, then it, it's easier to overcome because if it's, oh, this is just me, I'm broken, all those successful people over there don't deal with this. So I'm what, that, what you're effectively saying is I'm never going to achieve success.
because of this self-doubt. And I think actually the more time you spend around people that have um, achieved a lot of success in various areas, you'll realize that actually um, it's normal. Everybody has it. And that enables you to, um, I think it enables you to, to make it okay and therefore move past it. And, you know, so your question originally was, how do you overcome self-doubt? Um, that was the first part of the answer. The second part is, I suppose it's, it's a, a combination of um, what I always tend to do is reflect back on previous experiences because those references, those memories will always, when I've been, you know, down and out struggling and everything, you know, the whole world's against me and I pull through, I'm like, Hey, I've done it before. I'll do it again. Um, so I think that's, that's helpful. Um, certainly we talked a bit about mastermind before surrounding yourself around, you know, with unbelievably great people, um, means you're never on your own. It means you've always got somebody to turn to, so ask for advice, for help. Because, look, we all need it. We all need – I don't know anybody that's pure um, – I, I was interviewing um, Ed Milet for, for my podcast last week, mm. um, and he said something which just absolutely nailed it for me. He was like, you know, because he's one of the top 50 wealthiest under 50s in the world, I think. Mm-hmm. Pretty serious. Um and, and, you know, he says, oh, you know, Nick, often I get asked about, you know, being self-made. He's like, self-made is doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Um, you know, and he says that he's team-made. He goes, I'm a team-made multi, I don't know if he's a multi-multi-millionaire, billionaire, might be a billionaire now. Um, team-made, not self-made. And for me, that's, that's crucial. You know, when I look at... Um, you know, the, the, the relative amount of success that I've had over the, over the, you know, the last 10, 12, 13 years, whatever it's been, I, I think, yes, of course, a certain degree of that is, you know, self-made. I'm very proud of it. But also the truth is it's the people around me. And, and of course, team, my team um, are amazing. I'm very fortunate to have such an amazing team around me. But also I don't just mean team as in employees. I mean clients. I mean people that are members of our mastermind, that are loyal, that that stick with us and and have stood by me through, you know, over the years. Um, You know, I've got clients that have been with me for almost since the very start of my business that are still clients to this day. And, you know, when I've had my ups and downs, it's been their loyalty that's seen me through. It's been their belief in me, which was even more than my belief in me, that's seen me through. And, you know, my mentors, my coaches – my support network. I just don't believe there's anything. I don't really believe self-made exists. Love that. No one is. It's always the people around you that support you on the journey. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, we're both parents. I'm much earlier, much earlier on in the raw in the journey than you are. Um, <laughs> what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, keep it PG, but um <laughs> What advice would you give to a younger version of you? Maybe at a point where you are open and wide and really looking for some form of guidance. What sort of what advice would you give that younger self now? Yeah, I mean, Miles, you know um, that I was very fortunate to be around kind of personal development from a very young age. My mum was, um, you know, attended Tony Robbins events when I was a kid and took me along, and that was that was an amazing experience. I think the the advice I'd give my younger self 
when you say younger, I suppose you could be talking as a kid, as a teenager, as a you know young uh, budding entrepreneur at the, first, at the start of my journey. I think actually where I needed the advice most would have been probably in that first few years in business. Um, and I think the the advice I'd give myself is a couple of things. One, think bigger. I, I was even now. I still think I got to like constantly. The reason I love spending time with you know I love interviewing Ed Milet for my podcast or yeah. having Grant Cardone speak at my event is they just think so much bigger. Yeah. Um, and by the way, like different levels, right? So there's people that come to my events or become members of my mastermind because they think I think bigger. Mm. Um, and so I don't think there's, there isn't a, a ceiling as such. There's always a, another level that you can aspire to, to get to or to achieve or another level of thinking that you can grow into. So um, yeah, I, th I think I didn't think big enough. My favorite quote, it's on the wall. I'm in my office next to me here, which is um, from Tony Robbins. Again, I heard the, I probably first heard this when I was in my teens and um, still to this day, it's true for me, which is most people, let me get it right, right word for word. Most people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in two or three decades. And I think I was thinking short term, like what can I do this year? And I was, think, I was thinking big for this year yeah. or for the next year, but I wasn't thinking big in the long run. Um, so, like, I, I think I probably in my first few years in business probably, quote, unquote, failed to achieve my goals because they were big and short term. And actually, straight up now, I've built, let's just talk business-wise, I've built a bigger business today than I ever would have thought of or dreamed of in those first few years in business because my, my thinking wasn't big enough. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, th I think that's that's some advice that I definitely would give to my younger self or to anyone, you know, early on their journey. The, the other thing was just, um, I think as I've, and maybe this is just an age thing, as I've grown up, um, as I've got older, I've, I've started to value my time, my energy even more. Um, you know, I've got to be honest, maybe this is, maybe it's okay for, you know, in your 20s or early 30s, like I was definitely burning the candle at both ends in my twenties. That is for sure. You know, I was working hard, playing hard. And, um, I, you know, when I look back, I think, wow, you know, if I'd have, um, dialed it, you know, dialed it back a little bit or turned the dial down on the play hard a little bit, then, you know, who knows what would have been possible. But at the same time, I had a great time. So, you know, I'm not gonna make that wrong. It was all part of the journey. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so last question. I've got, How I've got a comment on this. So, um, our mutual friend, Pete you, must know, you must know Pete. So Pete and I have known each other for years. As I've got older, he's laughing. He's like, try being 55. Pete, I remember Pete when we 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 ran events together and stuff. When I was probably, before I was even 30, I was like late 20. And Pete's like, he was like 40 then, 40 odd then. And he's like, grump, he was like, oh, you know, you, you young whippersnappers, I'm a grumpy old man. You don't know what it's like. Anyway, so now I'm talking about it. I'm 38 now. I feel like an old man. And Pete's saying, probably 55. The one thing is for sure, Pete, you're always going to be ahead of me. I'm never going to catch that up, which is something I'm grateful for. Donna says, Pete, you're as young as the woman that you feel. I'm going to leave there. This thread's going to get wild if I uh, 
allow that to escalate. And by the way, I will say this, Pete, Pete, like he looks literally like he's getting younger by the year. I remember, Pete, what you look, what Pete looked like when he was 40 and we were working together and now he's 55, he looks younger. Now he's got um, a wham so head. Right. I'm I know, it looks awesome, doesn't he? Wham hair doing a beard. Looks like an absolute <laughs> gone. Nick, you've got Expert Empires Global coming up very soon. Um, what's the best way for people to connect with you, chat to you, learn more about you? Obviously, I'm telling you straight away, you should get an event at Expert Empires Global. I bought my ticket the second that they were released. Um, what should they do next? Uh, obviously, I'm going to post the link to buy a ticket in the event in the comments, but how can they connect? Yeah, with thanks. Them? Thanks. Well, look, I mean, best way to connect with me, um, like privately, direct, just drop me a... Um, <laughs> so I'm seeing the comments. And it's just Donna saying Botox. That's how Pete looks so young. Um, I'm sure that isn't true, Donna. So, um, yeah, uh, best way to connect with me direct is probably Instagram, direct messages, because I check those myself. So just DM me on Instagram. Um, uh, if you've got any questions or anything I can help with at all, um, anything you want to connect on. Um, as far as uh, Expert Empires Global goes, uh, Miles, as you've mentioned, we've got an amazing lineup. We've got Lisa Nichols, Marie Forleo, Ryan Dice. Um, got an incredible lineup. Um, I won't give you the full list because it's long. Um, we've got an incredible lineup. Really looking forward to it. It is going to be, this is the promise I've made to everybody, the greatest virtual event you've ever experienced. Um, we, we've pulled out all the stops. So, um, yeah, you can get all the info at expertempires.com forward slash tickets. There you go. Amazing. Mr. James, thank you for being on Life's Important Questions. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.